Welcome to Small Town Shenanigans, Episode Eight. We're rolling off a hot one, Number Seven. Steve Losing brought it, brought it to the house. He was on fire. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. The stories that were, uh, I don't know, the Howard's Pizza one. I like. I love is love hate. I loved it because um, that was ingenious. It, it was like pre-prohibition. It was like post-prohibition. You know where <laughs> you order the booze and the pizza and they deliver it somewhere. But, behind some trucking company in the back alley. But I hated it because I wasn't a part of it. Like, and I didn't even know about this. Like if I, if I wasn't a part of it, but I heard about it, we could have recreated it. But unfortunately that was a well, great story. And I, and if you miss, if, if you miss that episode, go back to number seven, it's a hell of a story. Um, today we've got, we've got good ones. Um, we've got today, our guest, uh, he's kind of like the Ed, Ed McMahon of our, of our show, Brian Robinson. Welcome, bud. Morning, morning, boys. Top of the morning to you guys. You ready to talk a little wiffle ball uh, today, Brian Robinson? Oh, yeah. We can talk wiffle ball. So when we were kids, wiffle ball was the thing, right? I mean, every, every place in town had their own field. The field at the funeral home was the best because you had um, – it was a big, big field, beautiful lawn, and in the back was lilac bushes in the, in the alley. So if you hit it over the lilac bushes – in the alley, it was a home run. Um, Brian Robinson's house. You want to describe that, Brian Robinson? Your your your, your football field. It was more like San Quentin. It had tall fences. <laughs> it was you're locked in, and you knew it. It was a good yeah. four man field. See, and you know, is, that, you could do five or six, but mine was a little smaller. But you had to hit it up to get it out, and my swing was perfect to get it out of there. You did have a beautiful left-handed upward swing. And I tell you, you would put, you put your entire body into that, you know, and you always had, you always, you never wore shoes. You always had those, those bare feet and they were grab. They would just grab into that grass. Wouldn't it get yourself oh, yeah. get a little footing? Yeah. Different fields have different signatures, right? So at the Burns funeral home, that field there with the lilac bushes, if you remember right in the middle of those lilac bushes, there's two garbage cans. Now you could, you didn't have to hit it high to hit home run. If you could squeeze in between those lilac bushes and hit right over the garbage can, she's still home run. At Robinson's Field, you call it San Quentin. I, I always thought we called it the penitentiary. But either way, the reason why we call it that is because it had four walls on it. And you had to be a surgeon to get out of there. Exactly. But the signature Mr. Robinson always used, which I thought was very uh, unique to it, was those of you that remember any that are baseball historians, remember Shoeless Joe Jackson? Uh, <laughs> uh, Sheila's Joe uh, got in trouble in the, like 1918 for throwing the World Series, but we had a different version of that. Brian Robinson and Robbie would come out of that house. He'd make it. He'd make a scene out of it. Like we'd be all out there popping the ball around where he's at. He'd throw that door open, and 50% of the time his dog nails would go squeaking out behind him out into the field. But he'd throw those shoes off to the right, and so he would play barefoot and his feet. Um, the only way I can describe it, it was like, uh, <laughs> like raw leather, like probably about a quarter inch leather on the bottom of them babies. And his feet, he would grab, when he would get up to bat, he would grab, uh, a pinch of grass with his toes and kind of throw it off. You know how, like sometimes a pitcher will rub the dirt and throw it. He would grab, as he's warming up, he'd grab a piece of grass with his toes and pick it up and kind of throw it at the pitcher. And he knew that he was ready. <laughs> You know what? That, that, <laughs> that caused me a little trouble later in life. I was uh, going shoeless through the desert. This has been about six, seven years ago, and I got a cactus in my foot. Swirl. And I didn't and I didn't take care of it. This has caused me from going shoeless. And I didn't take care of it. It got infected. They had to cut that big toe off from going <laughs> What? <laughs> so yeah. 
So one thing I was going to mention about that, but now it's impossible. You used to crack walnuts with those toes, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh yeah, you did. I saw you. I saw because at Grandpa Harold at Grandpa Harold's house, he'd always had that. There was that big tray of um of nuts, right? And Robinson would just grab one with his toe. Those 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 walnuts. Those are really hard. Those walnuts are really hard. And Grandpa Harold would be like, "What? Get your damn toes out of there!" And and he said, "I got. I want. I'm gonna crack it." <laughs> there might be some fiction to that. Um, but sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. And but I know those tolls were legendary and I know going going into that they were never more effective than when we stepped into the penitentiary and and those shoes came off and he would grip the grip the grass. So but a lot of great times that we had on those whipple ball fields, but the one time in the penitentiary, and I think that's where we're gonna touch on, uh, will go down in the annals of wiffle ball history as one of the greatest, um, the guttiest and grittiest <laughs> performances that we've ever seen um, in any wiffle ball field in town, in the league that we had. We call it the league. Well, he, and Robinson, he was usually the MVP of that league too. I mean, he, he had such a beautiful swing. But the problem was, is that when they poured that concrete in the penitentiary in your, in your backyard there, Robbie, didn't they leave? Wasn't there some rebar sticking out? Yeah. Why don't, you describe, why don't you describe the fields for us a little bit? Because I think we need to really pull people into the penitentiary before we tell the story. Well, it was all, all grass field, big walls on every side. And I believe we used the stairs towards the back of the field as second base. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. Let's talk about second yeah. base. Describe second base for us. Second base. I don't. I don't know who poured the concrete there, but it was years before, and it was worn down. And you could see a little of that rebar coming out of it. <laughs> it needs a little touch-up job. I so, think worn down is the best description of that. It's kind of like the uh, the urinal cakes that you, when you go into the urinal, those were wore down. I think it was kind of wore. I think it was the the step was wore down as well, and that's a I great don't description. I, you know, it just didn't set up correct in the beginning. I can tell you that. And I remember you on second base when I was up to bat that time. And I think oh. Billy Burns were in the were playing against us. I think I was. I think I was bringing the heat. I think I was bringing the heat, um, left-handed heat pitching. Let me but, talk about the bases just real quickly. So I remember first base was next to a bush, so you couldn't round first. Like you, I full Steve because you'd go into the lilac. Second base had exposed rebar. Third base was close to the fence, and that's usually where you had your most speed. So you had to adjust your speed coming into home base. So it was just because you hit a good hit, you had to know when to accelerate and when to 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 take your foot off the gas pedal going around those bases. Well, you know what? Second, I would always push off against that step and try to get an extra little speed going. <laughs> Okay, now wait, wait, wait. Now let's talk. Wait, third base was a frisbee, wasn't it? No, home base was a frisbee. Well, it could have interchanged, but the time we're talking about, home base was a. I think third base was a was a baseball glove, and home base was the frisbee. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. They remember all so that. So I remember. I I remember throwing a knuckle curve. On this particular <laughs> instance, left hand and knuckle knuckle curve, and it came in. I tell you what, Robbie just. I mean, he just hit that thing on the sweet spot, didn't he? But the bad mm. thing was the line drive, if you remember right. It was it a wrinkle out off the walls. It didn't have enough degrees to get out of the field because it was a line <laughs> hot hit. And you know those knuckleball pitches they come off that bat a little different. And the <laughs> thing here is we have we have lefty on lefty here. So it's a different dynamic. And when you throw a knuckleball to a lefty, um it can get interesting. And, and what, like Brian said, because it was the penitentiary, we had what we call a jukebox hero. And, and the, it would be a pinball machine that would bounce off them walls like that. So it's an added feature. And the wiffle balls had the, the all the holes were on one side, so you could really make that thing dance. You could. I always enjoyed that. And all I remember is Brian was on there, and it was a tight game. I think J-Dub was running his mouth, like giving his hell like he always does. And... I remember I cranked on that thing and it starts bouncing around there. I go around first and 
J Dub and you guys, you and J Dub, are having trouble getting the ball. And Brian, he flies around. And he scores right away. Well, I'm still going. I hit second, and all of a sudden, I feel this sharp, sharp pain, <laughs> and it's in my foot. And I go, "Son of a gun!" That what was it? Uh, some of that rebar got a hold of my foot and just <laughs> a butterfly. <laughs> and I, but this is where the determination comes in. This is where the guttiness comes into you. What did you do when you when you opened well, your foot you like that? What? It never stopped me a bit. I looked down for a second and I go, I got to score because we're not going to lose this game. And as soon as I, I hit third and I'm thinking, God, this thing is hurting, but I'm not stopping. And as soon as I'm getting ready to go in towards home, mm-hmm. not but my damn dog put a mound right on that third base path. And I don't think anybody had scored to that day. So nobody noticed it. Oh, I came and in I there, but I saw it. I, I scored right then, but I, I did a little hop over it. Cause I didn't, I knew all eyes were not on me. So I could kind of coast in and nails laid this legend. I mean, I don't know what you guys fed that dog for breakfast, but it had a big breakfast <laughs> and nails laid one down. And it was what I referred to as a landmine, but you came around third and you didn't see By that. this time the foot's bleeding pretty good. And not forsaken, I look down and my bloody foot hits that pile. That's all. Now I put my foot on second. I'm rounding third, getting into home, and I step in the nails pile. <laughs> and here's why here's here, let, me talk, let me tell about the second base deal because when I rounded home base, I turn around and look, right? And I saw you open your foot on um, second base. I didn't know what you did, but I heard you kind of yelp a little bit, kind of a barking yelp. And then you you must have opened it up pretty heavy because but before you got to third, I saw the red. I saw the nails landmine. And now I, I should have said something about it, but you were rolling and moving. And I don't think you could have done it perfectly by putting those toes right in the middle of the nails pile, you call it. <laughs> well, I still had to go for the win. I still had to go. Uh, I was going to let Jake and Billy beat us either. Now, wait, Russell, yeah. Robbie wasn't. So I think if I remember right, I think that back door to your house was open. And I think you didn't miss a beat. I think you just went straight. You touched home and right in the house. I believe I did. And I was screaming for my mother. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You went right past me and, and didn't miss a beat right in the house. Um, and if you I were, if, I, if, if I didn't say a word. No. I don't, I don't think, think he did. <laughs> now, yeah. let me ask you this. I think you may mention, but so was it the same foot? Did you step in the dog shit with the same foot that you opened up with the rebar? Even worse than that, it embedded into that bloody foot. Oh, oh Johnny oh. Cash would say the mud, the blood, and the foot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was the worst scenario you could do. Tetanus shot. Pray for but, help. But all, but all I remember is is that you went in, um, you went flying in that house, and um, and I I'm like and you went didn't you went right in the bath I mean you there was blood and 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 poop like there was a trail all the way through that house. No and, no I, I was hopping on one leg, Francis. Now <laughs> <laughs> you were hopping on one foot. Uh, my I, my mom would have killed me. You were so oh, so you hopped in there. You went right in the I bathroom. One foot, if you remember. I, Brian remembers the hop. He's he's uh, he's done it for me. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he made it to the steps. <laughs> now here's what here's here's what I thought was interesting about um, the 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 medical um, treatment that he had. He gave to himself. He went in the bathroom and I followed him in there and I knew he was upset. So I peeked in the door there and I saw him sitting on the toilet with his foot up kind of across, across him. And he was shaking old spice, uh, shaking old spice on that thing. And I asked him and he didn't want me in there. Cause I remember you were, <laughs> he was pretty, he was pretty bent. Remember I said the alcohol kill the kill anything. In the, uh, yeah. But you put rub, you put rubbing alcohol on it. No, Old, old, old English or old brute or something like old that. Spice. It was old, old spice. spice. 
Yeah, I put oh, so that you, on. So you put the Old Spice on to like as a disinfectant, not so much to, for the smell. Both. To me. I did both. I believe both. at the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't too old, so I wasn't. Never been too bright, but that was. I mean, that's a pretty good move. You got you got the Old Spice. You got the to clean out the, the to disinfect it, to clean it out, and then you got the better smell. Well, Let me tell you this: when that thing when that thing hit the open wound, it got his attention. He was screaming and barking when that's. <laughs> Brian goes, why are you sweating? <laughs> <laughs> Brian says, your face just had water running down it. Well, I'm in a little bit of pain here. The old spice, the old spice made me a little more pain. Get that stitched up? I had to get it stitched up, and I had to get a tetanus shot. <laughs> okay, so w- one question is, is this the toy you lost? You know, I have no idea. I... I have no idea. You, you that should was, keep that. You should have kept that. Thing. That toes is so legendary. You should have kept that maybe um, <laughs> in a glass put it in jar. <laughs> put it yeah. in a pickle jar. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, one thing you told me when you lost that toe was, is you said, I, Billy, I never, you said, Francis, you know what? I've never, I've never realized just how po- important a big toe is, but it has a lot to do with balance, right? You know what? I worked around that issue now. No, but I mean, initially, I mean, oh, initially, there's a little balance issue there. I mean, well, otherwise, why, otherwise, why do you have a big toe? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's for balance, and the strength, and the strength that that toe had. I mean, to be able, <laughs> and the power that thing had. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. He could throw a frisbee with those feet. I think. <laughs> I think I saw him do that once, and then, and I, like I said, Grandpa Harold always come around that corner in that house and Robbie would grab that, his foot and grab those toes and grab that, those walnuts and just crack them. Oh, uh, that's so good. That was great. I mean, and I think we won that, it, we had to have won that game because it was definitely over at that time. Um, we, could, but to, we couldn't finish it. That's one we, we had to You talk about escalation of a situation where it was just an, a regular average football game to opening the foot with the rebar, to stepping in the dog shit, to disinfecting it with old spice, to get the stitches and tetanus shot. I mean, that, that was the, that was, it was a win red in the foot. It was, That's, I mean, it's probably the greatest <laughs> wiffle ball story ever. Speaking of that, let's roll right into the little, you know, little league was so many great memories of little league. You know, we were on the record and coin team, which was blue, light blue and dark blue. Yep. Mm-hmm. Robbie, what, what team were you on? Weaver equipment. Weaver. What, what, what were your colors? Uh, green and yellow. They look like the Packers. Yep. Same color, same outfits. And it, it was just, I mean, so many great. So record coin was, a, was a little, um, it was like a little jewelry shop, right? But he sold, uh, uh little coins and whatnot and records. <laughs> I don't remember the, I don't remember the records, but, uh, I don't know. We had, um, we were one of the better teams, if I remember right. Let's talk about what are the, do you guys remember the other teams? I know there was public drug was red and white. Creamery, Dodds Wholesalers, and uh, public drug. Uh, those, they had six teams. Mm-hmm. Boy, there was some division in school when you got selected on a team. I mean, you could have been the best friends. And, and if you got, if you got picked up by public, cause the biggest rivalry I think was record and coin and, and public drug or, and, uh, yep. you got selected. Those there, Anderson boys, public drug. The Anderson boys, the public drug were always tough when we were younger. We, yeah, I think we took, I, I think we took them down. We had some good pitching. We have Wally check and Chapman. I think we're on our team. Yeah. You guys did have some good players on there. So, uh, so once you roll into that story, Brian, uh, so who was the coach and you were, I think it was your first year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So the coach was my father. Um, and he, he, uh, you know, he, he coached so he could be hanging out, with, hanging out with the boys and, you know, and, and spend some time. And I think if you think back at one of our episodes, I was, um, let's see, how do I say, it? you know, I didn't always take instruction the best. Um, I think I reacted more than I than thought about it. So we had practice and this is my first year. I just cut my teeth in the league. You know, just trying to get a name out there for myself. And I wanted to work hard and just, I knew how competitive this was. I knew how much it meant to the community. I knew that this little league team meant so much to the community. So we're in practice, probably first or second uh, 
week of, of the season. And those fields, boy, I tell you what, the wind could start blowing and there's out by the refinery. So if the wind started blowing one direction, the ball would go this way. If it blew from North to South, you get the smell of the refinery. So there's a lot of added dimensions to practicing. You know, out there. Well, especially um, you start practicing in Cubbank. You don't know if you're going to get snow one day or it's going to be blowing a hundred miles an hour, blowing the snow away. That's right. the thing about Cubbank. That's right. I, and, and, and hitting, Trying to hit a ball in that wind was not fun. No, oh. and the smell of the refinery. Remember, I, you could go out and get a hot dog from the concession stand, sit down, have it all prepped and ready, and then you get a whiff of that refinery, and all of a sudden that hot dog didn't <laughs> sound so good anymore. <laughs> it's, 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 those hot dogs sometimes taste like they were smoked in the refinery. <laughs> uh. So this, the instant that you're talking about, Bill, is – we had practice and we had this night, I don't know, was it 63 GMC? Oh, Brian, you know the year of that thing. Cause you, anyway, it was a sixties GMC, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and, it was, it was awesome. Like an old three quarter ton blue and white GMC truck. And I, I think I dropped the engine on that thing, but anyhow, the beautiful truck which is possible. The, the reason, the reason why I bring it up, we, we parked it right behind the backstop when we got to practice it had two features on this thing that were, that were kind of cool. Like if you wanted to lock the door, the handle, you had the handle, you lift it up. And if you want to lock it, you just push her straight down. Now she's in lock position. It also had um, a push horn. So like the, there was the steering wheel and then down on the dash, there's a little button. That was the horn, which oh. I don't know if that was factory or if that was just a, uh, it was aftermarket thing that we did to it. But if you want to lock the horn, you had to think about it. It did sound like a a boat coming to coming to shore. <laughs> it did. It was it like did. a foghorn. Yeah, it, did. it was. You could hear that from miles away. So we're in practice. I can't remember exactly what the incident was, but me and my me and my dad started going at it back and forth. He saw thing one way, I saw it the other way, um, and you know, cooler heads did not prevail. So he sent me. So that's enough of it. I've, I've had it with you. Go sit in the truck. We had probably. 30 minutes practice stuff. Maybe yeah, about 30 minutes is getting towards the end. He goes, go sit in that truck until we're done. We're done and do not get out. I'm like, all right. So I, I hustle all over there and I get in the back of that truck and I am hot. Like I'm mad, you know, because whatever it was that we argued about really kind of got to me. So my, my theory and sometimes to this day is if I'm upset, let's see how many other people I can get upset to feel just like I do. So it doesn't matter if they're what they're doing. It makes my day better. If I know that you feel just like I do. So I want to make you mad. So I'm getting into the, uh, I climb in there, sitting there watching the practice and, and he's hitting grounders and he's acting, you know, you got the upper hand. So what do I do? The only thing to do start laying on that horn. And like Brian said, it'll fog horn. Like you can hear that thing. If you're out there at the baseball fields, you can hear that thing all the way into the other side of town. So I start laying on the horn and he looks, what? I said, you could hear it probably up where the, uh, all the way up to the cut bank fields. You know what I mean? But, but you could hear it everywhere. Now he acted like he didn't hit it. Right. And he's probably 20 feet in front of me hitting them grounders. And <laughs> he acted like he didn't hear it. But when I lay off the horn and hit it again, I could see him jump a little bit. I could see his shoulders kind of lift. <laughs> so every time I tapped on that horn, he would he'd do a little jump, a little move. And so he, uh, he finally had had enough of it. So he threw that bat down and he came screaming over there around, around the dugout, heading towards the truck. Well, I just pushed that handle down and locked it. Right. Cause I knew that I didn't want him to get a hold of me. And he got at that window and he started banging on the window, telling me, you know, you need to, you need to cut it out. You know, when we get home, this and that and the other thing. And so, you know, I obviously felt pretty bad about it because I looked him right in the eye and as I was looking him in the eye, I reached down and hit that horn again. And I may have gave, oh, it was red. And then when I, you know, we were, we were staring at each other through that glass to that window. And I hit that horn button and didn't even, didn't even take my eyes off of him as I was laying on that horn again. And you could just see him come unglued oh, and uh, tell me to shut it off. I said, you know, and he knew at that point. He had to cut his losses because um, 
You were in I've control. I had the upper hand again. You I had the upper hand. It's a big deal. And so he shut practice down, and now we had to ride home together. And uh, that was not, you know, what's he going to do? I mean, I think that we, we came to an agreement, but I, I remember that practice really kind of set the tempo of, of who I was as a baseball player. <laughs> Tom Petty sang about it. What was the song Tom Petty sang, Brian, about that? You know? No, I don't know. It's called I Won't Back Down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one thing I loved was uh, I loved it after we won a uh, game. I loved all of us to pile in the back of that truck to go to the Tasty Freeze, and we'd sing We Are the Champions by Queen. We'd get loaded up and go have us big old ice cream. That was good times. Yeah, we always had treats. I know that, you know, every game we won, he'd throw an extra nickel on there. And he was a little tight with the nickel. And I know that, so it was bittersweet that he was getting wins, but man, he had to shell out another nickel uh, for ice cream. We got to the point where we could order, almost order a cheeseburger after one of those games. We had a very successful season. But if we, we lost, did. he reset it. They got, everything got reset. Is so, that right? Uh, did, did you want to talk about, I don't know if you want to or not, but you had a couple incidences with baseball that kind of slid into a little bit of bodily function issues. Mm-hmm. So we won the championship and now we went to pizza. It wasn't at Howard's. It was that place <laughs> next to the tasty freeze. I don't know what it was called at the time. It was, um, anyway, that restaurant there. American, like, American Legion. The no, Legion. Was it? No. Anyway, it was it wasn't I don't it wasn't Howard's. It was that it was that restaurant right next to Tate's Freeze. Anyway. Pizza pizza there was very doughy. They put a lot of sauce on it. It was different than Howard's. Like you you, they'd put the sauce on there sometimes, like, well, okay, come on. So (laughs) we're in the champion we won the championship and I proceeded to eat as many slices of pizza. Now you're talking about a you know, forty five pound frame. Eating about you know, 20 pounds of, pow- of uh, high dough and heavy sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so I proceed to, you know, eat this pizza, shoving it in my mouth with the heel of my hand. And we get home and that night and I start, man, I, I felt great because we won. But when I went to bed, I got up and I'm like, oh, man, it started working on me pretty good. And I didn't know. All I knew is I did. What's that? That cheese wasn't treating you like a friend. Wasn't the cheese that was getting me is that sauce? <laughs> <laughs> it was a. I don't know if they made their own sauce, but very spicy, um, very tasty, very good. I think that was their. That was kind of the thing you went back to pizza for is that heavy sauce. So, in the middle of the night, I started really getting upset stomach and had to use. You know, I had to go in there and see if I could resolve this thing there in the in the can. And I don't know how long I was in there, but boy, it turned into a grease fire. <laughs> I mean, I was back and forth and all over the place. And, you know, it looked like you're bleeding out. No, it was, it was just filthy. <laughs> I could just drive it. So well, Ellen, my stepmom, she hears this commotion going on because I think I was cursing at it. You know, I know I was back and forth into the bathroom three or four times. And I'd kick the wall on my way in, knowing that, you know, punching and kicking the walls. She comes in there and, <laughs> it, it, you know, she knew that something wasn't right, but she didn't know the cause of it. So she uh, takes a sample. Oh. <laughs> From the from the bridge, and she takes a sample, and she says, "We need to go to the emergency room ASAP." Because as far as she's concerned, someone's you know, there's a kid that doesn't have a lot of you know doesn't have a lot of blood in him, and and there's at least enough here to cause concern. So we go racing to the hospital. And I don't know what we're doing. I'm like, you know, we're just kind of taking me out of my rhythm here, trying to solve this issue. So she takes me to the emergency room. We go racing in there, and she's she's got this. Uh, She's got this sandwich bag, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think it was I think it was Doc Shepard, wasn't it? No, I don't think you went to was working the ER that night. What? <laughs> I think he went to Wallace. I don't know if Shepard was working that night. I don't think so. 
It might have been Wallace. I don't whoever ER doctor was. One of the two was on call that night, and he boy he had a perplexed look on his face. You know, you could see him seem kind of turn his head to the left, to the right, kind of scratching his chin. And he looked at Eleanor and he said, uh, "So what exactly do you have for dinner tonight?" <laughs> 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 and about that time, the light you can I see the light bulb go on top of her head. Before I even had a chance to answer. She says, okay, we got to go. We're fine. Everything's fine. She goes, and okay. Door, just... She goes, okay, thank you. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> she, thought you were, she, we went. she thought you were bleeding out. I think she thought I got shot at the ball game, or maybe I took a ball to the head or something. I don't know, but she was very concerned. And turned out it was just, uh, Pete, you know, that signature pizza. pizza sauce. Very <laughs> thick, very rich and, and uh, spicy. So what, do you, so what do you remember about in our house? We, we, we didn't have any alcohol in our house. There was never, we never had any parties. We mm, never, I mean, it was pretty somber environment. I remember I only took my, I think I took my girlfriend to the house one time and we or you sit on the couch, you put your cross your legs, cross your hands over your legs. And you, yeah. you know, it was the most exciting home. place to go to, was it? But we, we decided, <clears throat> we decided once, you know what? Uh, there was there's a few few of my buddies, and that said, hey, you know what, your folks are out of town. I think we'd have a party. And I said, eh, I don't know. Yeah, you probably weren't too excited about that. They, were they were they putting their shoulder into it? They kind of coercing you. Well, what do you remember about that? That we had that red Mustang, which was like in the early '80s. I, oh my, what a terrible car. I mean, it was nice and new and everything, but it just didn't have to get up and go. But I think I remember there was something with the odometer, wasn't there? Okay, so here's what happened. And <laughs> some of this stuff I didn't find out until after the fact. Well, they were going out of town. And um, I don't know why, you know, we weren't allowed to drive that thing. Like, I don't really understand what the deal was here. But, you know, he didn't want us driving this Mustang because it was just such a sweet machine, right? It's such a nice rig. Oh, my God. I think, I think his idea of all-season tires were just leave winter tires on all year round. He had them big old making all that racket. But he, he went in. I saw him. I saw him poke his head in there, and uh, he was writing something down. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't really. I didn't really think about it until it came up later. But after he had left, I talked to him on the phone for some reason, and he thought that you know. He didn't think I would take that car. He was more worried about Bill. So he said, hey, listen, I wrote down the mileage on that Mustang, and I don't want him driving that car. Well, it was too late. Like he's already, Bill's already out and about with this, you know, driving the car around. So we had to do something. You know, I told him, I said, look, we have to figure out a solution here because he wrote the mileage down. And there, you, know, you can't – this wasn't Ferris Bueller's day off. This may have been Cutbank's version of Ferris Bueller's day off. But there was no putting those – cut that car on blocks and winding the clock back, right? And the other thing that was different about Ferris Bueller, that was actually a nice car. This one was not a nice car. But either way, we had the car out when we weren't supposed to have it out. So we devised this this um, Well, no, I, I, w- I was going to throw the towel in. And you're like, no, 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 we can come up something here. Yeah, we had plenty of time to think of a solution. Billy, huh? Yeah, Bill was just going to go ahead and kneel down and, you know, and have his head lopped off. <laughs> you know, touch of a sword on the left shoulder, touch of the sword on the right shoulder and lop it off. He was happy with that. that and you know what? You never wanted to take a fall. Let's put it that way. You were never going to, you let your brother take the fall, but you weren't going to take it, right? <laughs> oh, no. Not without a fight. <laughs> No. <laughs> so I was doing him a service here. I'm like, look, I can't, you know, this, I have, I have no skin in the game here. I know that if you get busted, it's on you, but let's try this. Right. How about we drive it exactly 100 miles past, past this? Because he told me when, when he called me up, he told me what the mileage was. And, um, he actually wanted me to check it. I, I, I know the car was gone. I said, yeah, we're good. It's square. So when he, um, we said, we're going to drive it exactly 100 miles. And, and I wasn't even involved with it. I wasn't driving it, but, and we did, you know, 100 miles to the nose and it was 100 miles. Now we're off. Now, How about the tents? There was, well, he didn't keep, he must not kept track of the tents because there's no way that he dialed that in, <laughs> but we pulled that off. Like, so when he came back, he looked in there, I saw him open the door, look in there and kind of, he got out of the car and stood up straight. 
<laughs> like he was, you know, like shocked. And he looked back down in there, <laughs> came back out and stood up straight, shook his head, looked at his piece of paper and he came back in and I saw him do this. And he came back and he goes, Hey, what was the, what was the mileage that I told you? And I said, you know what? Um, you gave me the mileage, but I remember when, when I went and checked it, it was like a, it was like a hundred, 200 miles off. He's like, I go, why is it lined up? And he goes, well, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's fine. Well, I knew it wasn't. But Did he smile a look on his face? Once I, once I reassured him that it was about a hundred miles off, I think he realized he had made it, he'd made an error. So <laughs> that, with their, with their, uh, with them being gone, obstacle number one was taken care of. Joe, why don't you go ahead and talk about the other obstacles that we had while they were there gone. There was another obstacle because I, I did not want to have that party. And the next thing I know, you know, there's cases of Rainier, people walking in with cases of Rainier. And within I within an hour, there was everybody on Main Street was at the house. I mean, it was just, it was on like Donkey Kong. And, and you were nervous. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I was... I always, I, I didn't, I rarely did anything wrong, but when I did, I got busted and I felt guilty. So I'm like, oh geez. So weren't you worried about the neighbors? No, because we lived down the hill and the house was built into the side of the house, um, which was kind of cool. It was like an insulation thing. And so the windows in the bedrooms were right at ground level. So nobody would, nah. And, and we had a huge driveway. And so, no, I wasn't worried about that at all, but, um, I was worried about what was going to happen in the house. Mine and I did not know about this party. No, we had no idea. So one thing I, I, I know that Brian and I did not know about the party. We like, as, yeah, as people were filtering out into the party, we know less and less traffic was on main street. Remember that Brian? I remember. And I remember we stopped by, but we, we stopped by uh, the grocery store for something. And we ran into one of Francis's friends at the grocery store. <laughs> Do you remember who that was, Brian? We ran into. Said we're all we're going up to your house, Brian. Uh, no, I don't. I remember. I remember making the stop at Budgets because we were trying to find someone that maybe uh, we could curse into maybe getting us some uh, bottles of James or something. I don't, <laughs> Do you remember who it was? I think it was Corker. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't. He wasn't of age. So. so we, so we, so, so oh, I yeah, go, that's where we got wind. That's oh, where you got we got wind. wind. Oh, he told you that. So yeah. So all the, I mean, there's this beer flying. I mean, beer, I mean more, there was so much rain here. All I saw was red R's just floating around that house and, um, dancing around. Well, I, um, I thought, you know what? So my girlfriend showed up, we went back to my room. I thought, well, I, I want a little peace and quiet. So I shut, we had, I had a big dresser and I shoved that up against the door. And I mean, I, Ten minutes later. One thing that you want at a party. One thing you want at a party is peace and quiet. So go ahead. That- <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. So all of a sudden, so you know, someone's knocking on my door. What's going on, Bill? You got to come out here right now. You got to. I'm like, no, just leave me alone. I put. I locked the door for a reason. Uh, you got to come out here. So I'm like, okay. So I walk down the hallway. And if you remember right, our house was never that clean we had we had a lady that would come do our all of our laundry once a week and it was always stacked i mean four feet high on that table down that hallway and then there was on the other wall in the living room there was about a 10 foot high stack of those um from joanne fabrics those what do you call those um patterns those patterns to make something so But there was, so I'm walking down the hallway. Guess who's standing right in the middle of the of the living room? My grandfather, who never had drank an ounce of alcohol his entire life. Him and my grandma were on a walk. <clears throat> He's standing in front of that. And it was like, I'm trying to think of a movie scene that was like that, where someone's standing in the middle of a room, and it's like everything's spinning around him. His eyes are wide open. And I'm like, oh, geez. I mean, I'll never forget that. I walked up to him. He goes, you know what? He goes, I think we had to shut this down. He goes, your grandmother's outside. I don't think you want her coming in, do you? I said, no, sir, I do not. Hold on just a second. I got. I remember a little bit about this part when Grandpa Jack came in. Oh, tell and me. Brian and I had showed up at this point. And Brian, I'm sitting there visiting somebody I can't remember. And Brian comes to me and goes, 
grab the tax here. Grab the tax here. <laughs> and, uh, and my face is kind of, oh, no, we don't want to be seen by grandpa. So, Brian, Brian, what did you do at this point? You had a little duck and hide maneuver you made us Yeah, do. so I'll tell you about this, but there's also another interesting guest that we had at that party. But so when, when he showed up, I knew that he hadn't seen us yet. Right. And the, and the majority of the people at that party were not were not part of our, you know, our class or whatever. So I don't think he was doing inventory like that, but I knew we had to skedaddle. We me and you, uh, as, as this whole conversation is going on, we kind of ma- managed to maneuver ourselves out the, the back door, which I don't know if it's front or back. You know, the back door actually faced where everyone came in. So we went out the back door and up that hill. And I remember us boogieing and we took a peek at his car to see where his car was at. And there, sure enough, there was grandma Mary sitting in that, that seat. And I could tell she was getting antsy to go on in there, but oh. we didn't get, she didn't get a visual on us. Grandpa Jack didn't get a visual on us. And we skedaddled right on out of there. Clean, easy peasy. And he, and he didn't rat us out either. So right when he left, I hear this crash. I go in there. It's, it was, re- we had really nice hardwood floors, which we actually sanded those down by hand. It's a beautiful room. We went step down into the stereo. Remember those back in the eighties, those big stereos that had a huge piece of glass on the front. Well, some, I don't know what happened, but that crash, someone busted that glass. There's glass everywhere. I'm like, Oh geez. So I took a hat, passed around and we rounded up like 300 bucks to, so that could be fixed. Everybody cleaned up the house. I mean, it was, it was cleaner than it was before. And so the next morning had uh, someone, I think it was Chuck's paint body or someone, they came up and measured it and they they brought a new piece of glass it was tinted they fixed it but they did something they shouldn't have done they took the receipt and slid it inside of one of those shelves in the stereo so i did not know that was there there was another thing i didn't know about uh D- danny p was at the party and there was uh one of those throwaway cameras disposable he took that camera during the party and was snapping shots left and right and there was about five or six photos on that from our, we had gone on a little mm-hmm. trip to the canyon, to the um, caves, but the rest Lewis and of Clark caverns, Lewis and Clark caverns. Yeah. There was only like five or six on there. The rest of those photos, probably 10, 15 of those photos were from the party. Mm-hmm. And they were, they, some of those photos were pretty racy. If you remember back in the day, when you took a camera to drug mark to get them developed, they developed every photo on there. They didn't, they didn't look through, maybe they looked through it, but they always put every photo in there. And some of those photos, I think maybe there might've been some people, not every bit of clothing that they had on when they came to the party. Um, but there were some racy photos, right? That was a portion that really, I mean, now the, the, the broken glass was kind of first thing that really was starting to tip our hat on what happened here. Right. Yeah. And then that, and that camera is, so what, what did he do with the camera? He threw it. There's a hamper in the bathroom. He opens it up and throws a camera in the hamper. Didn't tell anybody about it. Right oh. now there was, there was another, we're going to finish. We're going to get to the end of the story. But before that, Brian, I think we were talking there was there, we had kind of a special guest to that party. Okay. So here's what happened. Me and Brian show up, cars are all over the place and um, we're getting ready to head in. And it was just, it was still kind of daylight. I think, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't dark. And as we're getting about ready to head in, Robbie says, what's birdie, what's birdie doing here? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I look over and here's our neighbor coming down the driveway, Bertie Barlow. <laughs> and uh, she was, Bertie Barlow was a couple houses down. She was a widow. Like her, I think her husband had died like in a oil rig deal, but Bertie lived up there by herself. And she had an interesting part of this. She had a peacock that she, a pet peacock that she had that would get loose down because behind our house was a, was the coolie and this peacock would get loose and she would come down and ask me, me and my friends could catch it. We caught that thing like three different times. We had a big sheet and we threw anyway, she had this peacock that, she, that would get loose down in there, which is kind of bizarre. But anyway, here's Bertie Barlow standing here. Brian's like, I hear Brian say is, Hey Bertie. <laughs> wait, so, I, I, wait how old was Bert? describe birdie i forget uh, how, how she old was probably she? i'd say late 40s maybe early 50s at the time so she was you know and what i after you know talking with i first thing i think was obviously she you know she lost her peacock again right but there's cars lined all over the place second thing i'm thinking is 
she wants to figure out what's going on, you know, because we never had parties. She wants to figure out what's going on. So there's Birdie. We're sitting in the front porch talking to her. And she goes, um, she goes, what's going on? She goes, Danny P, one of the kids, Danny P uh, told me that there's going to be a party here. So this invitation for this party stretched outside of the uh, Cut Bank High School student body. So Birdie got the invite. And she started hustling down here. And I'm like, oh, I loved it. You know, I'm like, this is perfect. Let's have Birdie come in. But I told her before we went in, I said, uh, we're, we, we're trying to get in. We can't get in. And she goes, well, Brian, Brian's looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, though, she goes, this is your house. Goes, the only thing is we have to bring booze here. That's one requirement is that you have to be able to have, you know, come with that, some alcohol and we can't get in. She goes, well, hop on in my car. Let's go down and buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> She didn't, she was her idea. Like that's where I was heading. Like, you know, but she offered it up. She goes, well, let's go get some beer. So we race on down to, but we hop in Birdie's car, hustle on down to Buttrey's, <laughs> pick up some, uh, some wine coolers and whatever. We didn't California. get any beer. We got, uh, what was it? California coolers. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, Bar- yeah, I think you're right. Bar- but we got plenty. And so we hustle right in that front door. And uh, I walked in first. I go, hey, everybody, you guys know Birdie? And Birdie rolled right on in. She's probably 50 years old and just, you know what? She could she just made herself at home. She sat in that chair right next to the, the stereo with her legs crossed, just like she was watching TV, just swinging her leg, kind of just watching, drinking a little bit of that. So that was our other visitor that we had there. And uh, she she brought some party favors, which I thought was great. And we, we worked that out just uh, – pretty smooth what robbie what do you remember about birdie well you know, what i remember is you know i thought that was grand that she uh got the wine coolers for us the bad thing about birdie brian and i tried that again to go get her get her through <laughs> she never did fall through she we actually like it never happened it. i don't know if she was that was weird like she did never happen <laughs> you know we go booze again nope nope I think, you, and Robbie, I mean, probably don't have time for this, but I remember you had a neighbor that used to like to party with you too, I think. But anyway, so um, the next day, so parents get home. Oh, the house looks great. Beautiful. It looks great. I mean, it was cleaner than before. The next day, Lloyd goes in there to that um, stereo and he, to play some music and that receipt drops out. And so I'm, I'm totally fried. I'm, I'm, I'm toast. And then Eleanor comes back. She goes, I got the photos from the trip. She starts thumbing through those. Do you remember that, Brian? Oh, so I remember it because I was I was out. Like, I, I, I there was not a trace of me anywhere. My DNA was nowhere anywhere on this party. I got through the, through the visit that we got from our grandparents. I got through the stereo deal because I could pretty much maneuver my way out of that. But I tell you what, it's tough. To work your way out of photo <laughs> evidence. Okay. And we have, we might, Brian had a good idea. We might, um, maybe on our, uh, small town shenanigans, Facebook page, we'll, uh, maybe I'll put a couple of those photos up. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was, it, I mean, we did everything right. We, we shut the party down when, when grandpa Jack showed up, we, we cleaned up the mess. We, we paid 300 bucks to put the glass back on. And next, and then and this is this is kind of the story of my life when I was growing up. I mean, you yeah. do everything right, and you still get busted. Never got away I with remember. anything. And yeah. we got to know our neighbor a little bit better. I never knew Birdie that. You know, I didn't know Birdie that well until that night. You know. What were some? Do you guys remember anything about her? That she Robinson? Did she? Did she tell you a few kind of interesting things about her or not? I can't remember. I don't remember a lot about her, to be honest with you. She was she just. I thought she had a few screws loose, to be honest with you. <laughs> she was different. Um, you know, she did lose her husband, and I don't know how long ago, but she, I know she didn't, have, she didn't work. I think she, you know, made – and that – you know, who was a pet peacock? I think that was her first red flag with Birdie. You know, Birdie with the, bird, with the pet Birdie and a peacock of all things. I mean, that but, was uh, – those things were – that was weird, um, and I had a fear of birds, so I, I would stay away from those peacocks. I did not like those peacocks one bit. Um, yeah. But we got to slide into the sponsorship, I think. Yeah, so the sponsorship this week is uh, actually close to home. Um, local business there or service the Cup Bank area for many, many years. Definitely an asset to the society. And uh, the owner there, Slim Owens, 
uh, owned at uh, a little establishment downtown called Shady's High Mac Tavern. So Slim Owens, the owner of Shady's High Mac Tavern, to us, he was the real and official first Slim Shady. Uh, <laughs> Slim Shady, Shady's High Mac Tavern, and their, their motto, or the, the, you get the T-shirts, they always had it on there. Everyone knows it. It says, Shady's High Mac Tavern, beer as cold as your ex-wife's heart. And that was always something that uh, that they always kind of pride themselves on was cold beer. Um, they, had a, they had a sign in there, I remember. It said, exercise make you, makes you look better naked. So does alcohol. Choice is yours. <laughs> <laughs> but they also had something else unique there, Brian. You worked there for uh, – you had a stint of working there. What, what was unique I never worked the there. I worked at the store for just – What about – okay, what about Shady's uh, – Pool table. You know what? The one thing I always knew if I went to a good Montana bar, if you'd always find blood on the pool table, that was always a guarantee <laughs> at High Mac. You'd always find blood on the pool table. <laughs> That's where the bar was set. And you worked, yeah, didn't so. you, you worked next door, didn't you, at the wagon wheel? Just a couple shifts, drinking just like I, it was no different if I was on the other side. I was just <laughs> loading them. I remember one thing about Shady's, and this happened almost every time I went in there, which was probably – uh, five or six times there's always a at some point in the night there would be a uh, a pool ball would go flying across the room would you agree well with i that? remember like, you always sell those western breezes there <laughs> that's right that's where you know that's where i made my hay you bought them for five cents and sold them for a buck but you know there was one of there's a guy in my class that got that was in there once and um he got in a fight with some uh rowdy rowdy folks from uh west of town about 50 miles that little town over there and um, mm-hmm. they slid. Oh, they I cut, know what you're talking about. Yeah, they cut. They cut him open. They, they. I mean, they. I read up his stomach. They, they, they got at him like a like Shank. a beer. He got shanked. Shanked the shadies. Yep, shanked the shadies. <laughs> and uh, he had a. I don't know if you remember Ryan, but he he went to the hospital. Remember what that doctor said? Yeah. So this gentleman, uh, let's just say, he wasn't too easy on his liver. Okay, there might have been a. There might have been a little bit of work over in that. And this is the story that he told us. Obviously, we weren't there, but he said that when they were stitching them together, and he said something fell out, and it said it looked like a peanut rolled on the floor there. And he said to the doctor, he goes, what, hey, what's that? What's on the floor there? He, he said the doctor told him, that's your liver, boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, I don't know if that's what it was, but maybe the doctor knew that he had a drinking problem, and maybe it was just like a – Something fell out of his stomach, and he wanted to tell him the lesson. He said, it's about the size of a planter's peanut in the shell. <laughs> and he said, what's that? That's your liver, boy. <laughs> and it was, it was, well, it was hard, and it was black, I think is what mm-hmm. he said. It was worked you over. Know. But uh, we, so we, let's slide into the, um, the story uh, up there at Glacier Park. Round it out, round this, round this episode out with the story up there at Glacier Park with those bears, those grizzly bears. This is a very unique story. This is one that you can't, like a lot of the things that we did, you could duplicate. This one, there's no way you could duplicate this story. And that's why it makes it special. Right, Bri? Right. Oh, yeah. Both so I'll lay, it out, I'll lay it out a little bit. And Brian, you, you chirp in on this one. But this is, a, this is a very memorable story. So end of the, we're like seniors, probably 89, 90. There was a train, the train ran along the high line there. And it ran on the south side of Glacier Park. Well, the winter... That winter, there was a train that was hauling, hauling a bunch of grain, and it tipped over. Like seven or eight of these cars full of grain tipped over. Now, you can Google this and, and see that this is a true story because I remember when I tell this story because it's so, you know, so off, um, I show people, look, look it up. It happened. It, so what happens is trains tip over. All this grain spills all over. Middle of the winter, um, they went and they fixed, you know, got the trains up and got that you know, the operation of the track going, but that grain was left there. And they're gonna, I, I guess in the spring, they were just going to go, you know, clean it up or whatever. Cause it was a lot. Well, what happened in the spring, grizzly bears got in there and started eating this stuff. Well, the grain had fermented. So guess what? Party's on. These grizzly bears are going down there and they're shuffling all this grain, getting a little bit of grain whiskey in them, getting a little, getting a little whiskey drunk and really acting abnormal. And it was close enough to the road where it became like a spec, you know, the tour, a tourist Spectacle. attraction, right? Instead of going so, watch the Chicago Bears, we watch some Montana Grizzly Bears <laughs> get all drunked up, get all in it, and like we said, you know, that bar never closed. 
those bears philosophy was, you know, how, how are you supposed to drink all day if you don't get started in the morning? So these <laughs> bears were getting greased. <laughs> and so we got wind of this and what do we have to do? We had to go up there and take a peek. Right? This is, a, this is something we had at least see. So we drove up there. I think we were in your car, that cougar that you had. We it, we, it just the two of us went up there. Yeah. Um, and it was just by, it was kind of by the, the Continental Divide there. Anyway, we pull up. Sure enough, there's two, three bears down there, eating, eating this grain. Getting, they didn't. I didn't notice anything abnormal about the way they were acting. There was, one bear was sitting on his ass like Winnie the Pooh, digging in a pot of honey, but he was <laughs> shoveling grain, grain whiskey in him. Paying zero attention to anything going around him. No, it was kind of neat seeing him, but it wasn't. It wasn't what we wanted. It was zoo type. Oh, they were getting greased up. Yeah, it was like the same thing. There was zero threat. No, they weren't. I didn't, I wanted to see someone like, what I was expecting is showing up there and having a couple of these bears with lampshades on their head and uh, dancing around <laughs> and, you know, creating havoc. And, and what, what I would expect to see was someone who's been drinking for like two weeks straight. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. So Brian and I, we were like, okay, here's what we got to do. This we got to go. We went over going across the mountains for something with a couple guys. Remember that when well, we were going back? Well, we went, yeah, we were heading over to. Well, that's how we sold it to these guys. We were going to tell these guys, "Hey, listen, let's go mess around with the grizzly bears, the drunk grizzly bears." So we had to get them in that old uh, nineteen. There's like a nineteen seventies Dodge Charger convert or Dodge conversion van, and it was gutted out on the inside. So these guys like a painter get into this. What was it? It was like a paint vehicle before. There were shells and stuff that used to be on the walls, you know. <laughs> and they had that stupid little round window in the back that looked like a fishbowl. Like when you look through there, your face magnified. And I didn't know what the point of that thing was. But the back was completely gutted out. We put a mattress down in the back there. And so we were to ramble. Down there. What? What's that? All there was is beat up plywood is like 20 years old. All nails. And, and there was just. So we pile like six or seven guys into this van and they're like, we're going to Kalispell it's like this. We have to sit down on this mattress pad. We're like, yeah, just relax. It's fine. So the driver, we had, uh, we had our driver and this was, this is really the point. This is the person that we really wanted to participate the most in, in what we had planned. So we drive up there. The driver is a very jovial, friendly, portly young man. Uh, we get up to the, get up to the park. And as we crest over the top, one of them says, Hey, isn't it? aren't those bears, isn't this where those bears are at? And we're like, that's a great idea. We didn't even think of that. Why don't we go over there and take a peek over the corner and see if, uh, and see if we can see these things. And that's when, that's really when this, 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 uh, this story got some legs on it. Do you remember that, Bright? Oh, oh yeah. And I remember that it was kind of a damp, cool day. You know how there's a lot of moisture on the ground. It's, it's slick out there. Well, Brian, so Point, yeah, go so ahead. Brian Burns at this point, he takes the portly driver and says, <laughs> I dare you to throw a rock at one of those bears. So what does he do, Brian? He, well, now we had two more. What we wanted to do is get these bears stirred up. So the first thing we wanted to do was see if we can get them rousted up with rocks. The second thing that we did is that we went over to Cupping Meats. And in the back there, they had all these scraps. And they always had, you know, they were all over the place. It was just like the bad meat or the fat. So we grabbed, I don't know, we filled up a five-gallon bucket with that stuff, didn't we? So that oh, was yeah. the second mode. So anyway, chum. talk about that. So, so we, we said we are starting to chum them. Yeah, we need some chum meat. So we got the, we had a bucket of chum meat and the portly sure. driver. <laughs> we're just calling him, we're calling him the portly driver. Uh, we talked him into tossing some pebbles. And so we backed that conversion van up as close as we could get, open up those back doors. And we had thought this through. We tied a couple of ropes to the doors. We had the mattress there. So if we could get the portly driver far, close enough to these bears to get them stirred up, and if they got to the point where the bear could chase him, this is what we're thinking. This is crazy. If they could this chase him, he could, could get back in the van. Dump in. We pull the door shut. Good to go. So tell tell us about his episodes when he was tossing those rocks. This is legendary. Well, the first couple of rocks, boom, nothing, nothing. And Brian Burns looks at him and he goes, "Little closer, 
a little closer wouldn't hurt. He <laughs> goes steps. five, ten feet, and his eyes are about big. And Brian, Brian keeps terrorizing him. He goes just a little bit closer. <laughs> nothing, nothing. About that time, old Portly drops down and <laughs> Portly, Portly drops down and sees a bigger rock. And about <laughs> that time. He picks up this big rock and he hits it oh, right, right in the back, back, right square in the back. Oh, now to throw that bigger rock, he had to get a little. I said, listen, a bigger rock, a little closer, a little closer. So <laughs> <laughs> he hits this thing. And now this is what we've all been waiting for. <laughs> we were waiting for the bear. Now the bear actually noticed, noticed us. You remember there were cars lined up on top. Remember the shoes he was wearing? <laughs> Did he have those boat shoes on? No. He had like fans on those waffle cone on the bottom, and it was muddy a little bit, muddy out there. Do you remember that? He what had kind, no, fans. what kind of shoes was it? Those skater van shoes, like oh, the vans, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No traction at all in the mud. Because when he made that spin move back, because at this point it doesn't matter what the bear's doing, as far as he's concerned, the bear's in hot pursuit, and so. He looks and he, if you would have seen the eyes when he spun around and his eyes got big, well, he hadn't been looking back. When we kept saying closer, 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 he didn't realize until he turned around how far away from the van he was. And his eyes looked like saucers. And he started, have you ever seen like uh, Wile E. Coyote when he would go to start running? His legs would just spin in circles and not move at all. That's what I felt those vans weren't getting any traction. His feet were spinning and not getting any traction. So I remember he goes down on one knee for a second. And you go, oh no, this might be trouble. Uh. <laughs> and about this time, Brian Burns gets the wise idea. He goes, I'm throwing that chum meat out there. <laughs> He's running at us. He thinks the bear's on hot pursuit. I'm throwing chum meat at him, and he's get, he has no chance to like debate what's going on. But I know in his mind, he's like, well, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And so I'm like, he's right on your tail. He's right on your tail. And I'm throwing these pieces of steak out at him. <laughs> the bear really. <laughs> it wasn't close. You could hear it. The bear just spun around, looked at him, maybe made a. I think he, he could hear him because you could hear those bears are grunting and, and all this stuff. But all that we were saying, we were trying to reassure him to come and calm him down by saying, he's right on your tail. He's right after you. And boy, oh, oh portly. His feet were just moving, and I was throwing that meat at him. Well, he got about 10 <laughs> steps before that van, and uh, all he can think about is diving into that van. Well, what do we do? We shut the door. <laughs> we close <laughs> And he came pounding and screaming. I think he's almost – I mean, his his voice sounds so much in distress and really a lot he of anxiety. He sounded like a girl at this point. Huh? He sounded like a girl at this point. Screaming and yelling. Yeah. Banging on the door. He, told, he turned, I think at that point he turned around and looked and saw that the bear wasn't on him. So we opened the door, let him in, and he was – imagine he, had, he was upset with us. He was sweating. Hey. Sweat. <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> he laid down on that, on, that mattress, on that mattress there with his arms spread open and uh, sweating. Boy, and we decided that we, weren't, we didn't want to make him drive home, so someone else got behind the wheel. But he wasn't – he he cussed us out. He had some fine choice words for us. Mm-hmm. Told us you and I were no good. I was a little bit offended by that. I mean, I know I couldn't believe the nerve that. of this guy. It, the nerve of him to, to call us names like that after we probably gave him one of the most memorable stories of his life. But he did call us choice words, and um, choice which words. I'm over it. I'm over now. I'm over the words he used for us. But I wonder uh, how how long do you think what's a what's a grizzly bear hangover? How long does that last? I've had some hangovers that I called a grizzly before, and they were pretty <laughs> heavy ones. <laughs> I mean, we ours might last a day. I mean, there's there's might run three four days. I don't know. You know that happened twice. That wasn't the first time that happened. It, it happened once before after that, where that where something tipped over like that and fermented, and those bears got into it. So. Um, I just know that, you know, those bears, I mean, in their defense, they probably did a lot of things they regretted after that, after a couple <laughs> nights drinking. I wonder if a bear mauled someone that he would, they'd actually let him go because he'd been drinking. Uh, they'd give him a little bit of the, <laughs> give, him a, uh, give, him a, give him a little leeway. 
you got to understand, I've been drinking for three days. Of course, I ate that little dude at the camera. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good. That's a good one. I wish I'd have been there for that. I do not. I do know that poorly little fella, and I know he's a hell of a musician. Anyway, he's so. Well, anyways, uh, we, uh, we want, we just want to wrap this up and we want to let everybody know the feedback we've gotten is great. We do want, um, we've had a few people reach out and, um, to tell us some stories we want and we love that. So please reach out on, um, you can reach out on our Facebook page or, um, you can message us cause we want to hear you guys stories. We've got, we've got a bunch. Thankfully we've got probably enough racked up for about a year, but we want, we like sprinkling them in. I mean, the guests that we've had so far kind of been a hit. A lot of people love it. So reach I out to us. Steve Lowe. Steve Lowe's. Yeah. Number, number seven was great. I think yeah. you're going to have, you may, we may have a, a, one of the guests maybe on the other side of that Mississippi down there in George's waist. Oh George yeah. Peach. Yes, sir. He's, he, got, he's got some chops on him. So I uh, think he might be, uh, you might enjoy. So this is number eight. Number nine might be a little, have a little George Peach in there. Might need a little bit of someone to translate. They'll draw. You know that draw is spelled with two L's? D R A W L L. So yeah, so uh, so chime in to go back and listen to number seven if you haven't. It's great. Um and then uh uh number nine, the next one we should have that George Peach. Hey Brian Robinson, we always love having you. Thanks for hopping on here. Thanks for having me on today. And uh, you yeah. know, your your foot. I mean, your foot did heal up after that oh. wolf of all, maybe. But. Healed up, but then he had to lop the toe off. He <laughs> caught the walnut toe, got taken off. That's the unfortunate gee whiz. Uh, so don't forget, though, uh, every shenanigan must transcend. Yeah.